amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radioland. It is I, your humble moderator here at Podcast Village in Studio A in Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do whenever we broadcast this fine show. To my left, ironically, he is the former Joe Biden political operative and a lawyer in the great state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He is the one we know as Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. And joining us from New York City, the financial district, she is the former attorney for the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. She's now big time high finance lawyer in New York City. She is Sharmila Chari. Hey, Sharmila. Hey, Justin. Yeah, I thought you'd like that big time finance attorney. Uh, I'm not an attorney, and I'm not in Wall Street anymore. I'm actually in Midtown East. Oh, 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 you're a hedge fund. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, and uh, joining us from a non-disclosed location in the Bay State of Massachusetts, he is the author of such fine books as American Politics on the Rocks. He's the one we know as Rich Rubino. Hey, Rich. Hi, Justin. Okay, let's get to it. Everybody's trying to figure out what's our take on what's been happening over the past a uh, few Twitter storms coming out of the White House and the feud that has started with the squad. Okay, let, let's get down to this. It, this all starts <clears throat> This all starts uh, over the weekend. Uh, obviously, the four, the four members of Congress that we know as the squad, which includes uh, uh, the uh, congresswoman from New York City, uh, uh, AOC, from yeah, Aranjo Cortez. Uh, it also includes uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Presley, Presley from Massachusetts, right. Presley and Congresswoman Omar. Omar from Minnesota. 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 Correct. Correct. Uh, it starts off with they've been pretty vocal about their disdain for the current administration. Uh, they've had very progressive, very left-leaning takes on many things. Somehow, over the weekend, the president got it in his grog to go off on them and basically said, uh, if they don't like it, they can go back to whatever corrupt third-world cesspool. I'm paraphrasing. These are not the words. We'll get to his words in a second. But basically told them that they can go back and fix their... Huh? It's pretty close. Pretty close, but I'm paraphrasing. But pretty much told them that they could go back to whatever third-world hole they climbed out of and fix their problems and then come back and tell us how they like it. Which started a huge, huge reach-back uh, reaction coming from... Uh, coming from the left, it also got a little bit dicey when the president yesterday doubled down on it and said that, uh, no, they're not racist. You know what? They can go back. If they don't like it here, they can leave. Well, the president today, when as we're broadcasting on a, on a Tuesday as we record this podcast, he doubled down on it again today. Uh, it is... Uh, 
it is an odd situation. The it is it has drawn the ire of many on the left. It has kept the GOP largely silent. So we've got a situation here that needs to be addressed. I'm going to start with you, Sharmila. I mean, number one, let's talk about the fact. I'm going to ask the question. Now, I'm asking this question. Do not take this as any sort of endorsement of the president. I have to do this as moderator. But, Sharmila, what makes what the president said racist? He didn't call him out by race. He didn't call him out by gender. Uh, didn't call him out by sexual orientation. What makes what the president tweeted out over the weekend racist? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I was having this argument with my boss earlier, uh, where, you know, who is, you know, leans on the more conservative side and asked the exact same question. You know, he's like, I understand that it was deeply offensive and inappropriate, but, you know, it doesn't, what makes it specifically racist? It seems that we overuse that word when we talk about, you know, things that may merely be ignorant or ill-advised or, you know, sort of nuanced in that way. And I think that what makes it racist, my argument to him was, what makes it racist is the fact that there is a strong implication that those who have a skin color other than white don't belong in this country, that they can go back to, that they came from somewhere else, that they are not part of this country. They're not part of the fabric of this country. And then, right, he continued to double down on that by saying, well, if you don't like this country, you can leave. And, you know, the where you come from comment is, you know, how dare you if you come from or have origin, you know, ancestry from a place that has a government that is, you know, more dysfunctional than ours, then who are you to come and tell us how to run our, how to run our country? Um, and so that's really where the racism comes in, right? He's not saying that to Nancy Pelosi, who you know may have, who has Italian ancestry. He's not saying that to Kirsten Gillibrand. He's not saying that to white. You know, President Trump has plenty of people who criticize him who are white. He is never saying the equivalent. He's never saying that to Mitt Romney, right? He's not saying these things to his white critics. He's saying other things about them. He's calling them weak and pathetic and losers and low energy, but he's never telling them. You are not a true American. You don't belong here. So go back to wherever it is you're from. But but that it, is the, that's it, where that's where the charge of racism really comes. But, but Rich Rubino, I, I, I mean, and and again, let me be clear about this. I'm doing this because I have to moderate a a podcast that includes both sides. Yep. It, 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 what I just heard, Sharma, and reading the tweet of the president. The initial tweet does not call out the black woman from minnesota does not call out the latina from queens it basically says hey look you go back to i mean theoretically if you want to talk about corruption detroit was pretty corrupt and one of the members of the of of the squad is from detroit so the, the the question now comes in where and how and what what is the racism coming on yeah, I think it's a dog whistle. You know, certainly it's implied racism more than actual, you know, it's not necessarily overt racism. He's not saying directly some, anything about anybody's ethnicity. He's saying what he's really doing, I think he's trying to, play, in a sense, he's trying to play to his base. And it's actually, politically, it's very, um, it's very, it's very, I think, um, dexterous because what he's trying to do, which, you know, by using, by using race kind of at a lower level, what he's really trying to do is he's trying to tether what he would call the far left of the Democratic Party with the rest of the Democratic Party. And Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, 
you know, she was condemning these four members, saying they're only four members. So she was, she, what she was doing was she was actually distancing herself from these uh, and uh, from these four members, which actually helps folks in, for example, running for reelection. And you know, the, the reason the Democrats won in 2018 and took over the House is not because of these districts. Of you know, AOC's district went 58. 58 points for Hillary last time. It's because of folks in places like Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas who won these congressional seats. What Trump's doing now is he's now tethering these people to the rest of the Democratic Party. So now all of a sudden you see these as the public face of the Democratic Party. And all of a sudden you're seeing four right. women, four minority women, and you're seeing four that he would call her socialists. And he's saying, this is the Democratic Party. Now all of a sudden it gets into the public consciousness of, you know, that machinist in Columbus, Ohio, that this is what the Democratic Party is. But of course he would never directly go after it. And if they actually, just like, you know, if you go back, by the way, to what any segregationists were saying in the 1960s, very few of them were actually saying that they were actually overtly, that they were saying, I'm a racist. What they would usually say is they would say, no, I believe that I believe all people are equal. I just believe that separate for all, I just believe that there should be a segregate, segregation. They would say, I'm segregationist and not racist, for example. So I can't think of any main, any politician from the left or the right that would actually directly say, you know, go after someone's race and specifically call it racist. It's just a matter of this thing Steve King did from right. Iowa for example. Right. It's just a matter of doing it overtly. Dan Lipner? Yeah. Uh, so l- let me just counter what we're just saying is a, a little bit. So the the president um, was definitely less artful than uh, some of the uh, folks that tried to put a happy face on Jim Crow and segregation uh, of, of, of yesteryear. Um, the president has used very, very ugly language consistently. Um, and uh, I was uh, Representative Omar actually used the explicit language that the president used, which I will not use on the show. But people coming from uh, uh, from uh, s-hole countries and uh, g- grabbing women b- by uh, places that no respectful person should, um, yeah, that that is not the, exactly the same language that the 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 prim and proper who were still uh, pro Jim Crow and pro segregation. Uh, were using uh, of the era, they they used much much more refined language uh, to to try and still have the same ugly positions, but in a in a much much more refined way. That said, um, as far as the actual politics of this, and uh, watching the president, and more importantly, watching him not only in his Twitter feed but his public comments doubling down on. On his 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 Twitter comments, because I honestly, when I saw it, I, when I was at the gym and it popped up on my phone, I, I I was honestly taken aback when I saw it. I was like, wait, this this couldn't really be him. They're gonna walk this back, right? Um, and in fact, as we all know, he not only wasn't walking it back, and it seemingly was him. The the caricature of the Republican Party. Let's just assume the best that the president is not actually a racist. He's just a cynical political jerk uh, trying to use this for political gain. Mm-hmm. And the caricature of the Republican Party that he must see um, is pretty insulting. And I would hope more Republicans uh, would speak up. And as I, I, I posted on my own Facebook feed, the after Theresa May posted, uh, right. made a statement that it was unacceptable. Right. Please, somebody post stories about re- actual Republicans in office countering this. And I actually have a sm- short list here for a meme that popped up on on my Twitter feed. The GOP, it's 
finds its spine finally. Yeah. And it's not a long list. No, no. You, it's but you Lamar do Alexander, have some Roy key... Blunt, Susan Collins, Mike Lee, Tim Jim, Scott, Jim Moran, Lisa Murkowski, uh, Joni Ernst. Uh, Joni Ernst, Tim Scott, Marco Rubio. Note Marco Rubio's uh, uh, junior senator in Florida did not. Rick Scott did Rick not Scott, come out and say uh, anything. Did not come that. Uh, Pat Toomey and uh, Roger Whitaker. This is a short list. Um, and Oh, Peter King came out too. And, uh, King and Pete King uh, also came out with it. And it's interesting to see, and it was slow to come, uh, which is also worth noting. But, but Admiral, joining us, surprisingly, he is the retired one-star Admiral from your United States Navy. Joining us from Boca del Vista, somewhere in southeast Florida, is Admiral Ken Carradine. Admiral Ken, thanks for chiming in. Um, I, I wouldn't this have missed surpri- this section of the show. This is a surprise. This is a surprise. Happy to be here. So, so Admiral Ken, here's the trick. Is, you know, when we hear the president, and and I'm going to read what the president wrote, uh, because I want it to be in, I want it to be in full transparency. He wrote, quote, so interesting to see a progressive Democrat congresswoman who originally came from countries whose government are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run, why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came, then come back and show us how it is done? These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. Now, can, can we just make one note just yeah. to correct something? Everything stated there is a plural. Countries, plural. Women, plural. Right. So it's not just Representative Omar, who's the only one of no, the no, group no, no. I, born, I, I, no. who's foreign-born. Uh, understood, understood. But Admiral Ken, I, I go to you. The the Republicans have been very slow to come out. In fact, Lindsey Graham came out and said that this is not racist. Tell me how Lindsey. Yeah, the rest of Lindsey Graham's statement was not exactly a profile in courage. Well, I would no, use him as no, an it wasn't. But but Lindsey Lindsey Graham came out and said no, it wasn't racist. And as as have the 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 awkward silence of many in the GOP. Well, uh, how does the Republican Party defend this? Is it in fact racist? Uh, it, the it same way they defend Charlotte. Oh, sorry, Dan, uh, go um, ahead. No, no, uh, Admiral Ken, go Admiral ahead. Ken, go. Um, yeah, it is, and and um, and as for as for people like Lindsey Graham, um, I I don't know what happened to him other than the fact he's decided that he wants to be reelected to yet another term. But you know what I'll I'll say is this, you know I I I like I and others have noticed a trend. Um, in, in this country, uh, when when Donald Trump, you know, does does things like this in Charlottesville and, and half a dozen others, we take the focus off of the really important stuff, and we spend hours, sometimes days, talking about what stupid you know thing that this incredibly ignorant and racist man has said lately. And I think this is just just yet another um, another quasi ploy from Trump. When I say quasi, I, I, I mean one. I think he's he's basically figuring out uh, that this is what it's going to take to 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 be the center point of his next campaign. 
Um, but I also think, too, hence the quasi, that we're now no longer talking about um, what's going on down at the border and, and the fact that we've got, you know, people uh, living, you know, like animals in cages, uh, including little children. We're not talking about that right now again. And we've taken our focus off of this onto the next crazy, racist, stupid thing that this man has said. And I think if, if, if the Democrats are smart, and I, or, and I hope they're smart enough, you know, to realize, you know, don't, don't chase this dog whistle. Um, stay on task. Think about what, need, what you need to do to take this guy out of office uh, legally and, 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 and press on with things. But this is, this is just one more thing that Donald Trump has done. I am not at all surprised. I think that this is who he is. And it, it's easy for him to slip into this mode and say the things that he that he wants to say. Oh, by the way, there was some there was a story about some notes that he wrote on top of his page that he made to, made sure to mention into the the um, the speech side of it, and and up to and including Al Qaeda not spelled not spelled correctly. This this is not a smart man. This is a very very ignorant man who's 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 basically saying things that people in his in, in uh, people that are his followers want him to say because he thinks that that's what's going to get them out to vote and i think this is this presents an opportunity for people who don't want him to have a uh, another term to to rally and say look you know there's just one more thing that this guy's done that is not deserving of the president of the united states right, but richard Bino, richard Bino, yep. we're, t- we're talking about a president that last check has a 42 percent approval rating uh if he is trying to lock down his base through a very poorly concealed dog whistle is 42 percent gonna get the dog whistle crowd to get out the vote and get him reelected well they, you know it's interesting i think that he's seeing that it is i think that that's what his pollsters are probably telling him in so many words but you know this is congruous to a couple of things first of all you know when george wallace the arch segregationist who said segregation now segregation tomorrow segregation forever in his inauguration speech in 1963 he ran for he ran for the governorship of alabama in 1958 the first time with the support of the NAACP, and he supported civil rights. Four years later, he looked at a very cynical picture of the, of the voters in Alabama and said, the only way I'm going to get elected is if I become a segregationist. So he becomes a segregationist. Later in life, he disavowed everything that he had believed in terms of segregation. Now, why do I talk about Donald Trump? People say, is Donald Trump a racist? It could just be that he's Machiavellian and he's a racial opportunist, and he's just simply using this as a political vehicle. You know, we had 42 percent, you're seeing polls showing Joe Biden winning. No, he's a racist. Yeah, the Central Park Five predated his political life. But it, it, you go back to what is good with his father. But I mean, I don't. Know, all I'm saying is that even if he is a racist himself, I think he's. he's he, if he were, to, if if he thought that coming out for race, coming out for racial equality, getting the endorsement from the NAACP would benefit him politically, he would get. He would do that as well. This is about getting reelected for him. Now, in terms of Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. Very similar story. Lindsey Graham had always there had always been skepticism of him on the far right in South Carolina. He's had primary challenges in the past. So ever since John McCain died a couple of years back, last year actually, Lindsey Graham has moved further and further to the right. He's probably looking at polls too that are showing that the South Carolina electorate, specifically the Republican electorate in South Carolina, is moving further and further to the right. And he's no. also an opportunist. Okay, so he's, he's doing the same thing. I, no. I think he's doing the same thing that Trump was doing. All right, Dan Lipner. Okay, so th- this is a political town, and 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 there is politics played, and and I understand yeah. that, and you can see some uh, occasional artful dodge, dodges here. 
in there. Um, the most obvious heartful dodge you will see from time to time, I'm quite certain uh, a number of Republicans have used it, saying the president speaks for himself, and uh, th- those are not necessarily positions that I might hold, while uh, basically successfully not creating a soundbite to be used by anyone, but all- while still distancing yourself from the statements that the president actually said out loud. That's not Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is standing on the mountaintop uh, saying these things, as are a number of Republicans. So this is not just playing playing politics to play it safe and protecting yourself. This is actually wrapping your arms around the president along the way. That's... uh, the the most cynical of cynical. If you if you're willing to win at any cost, what's the value of the win? So I, I definitely get it, and and it's a pity that Allen isn't here because he would point out that yeah, you can't do much if you lose, and he's frequently been on the side of of uh, of uh, the Republicans that have been walking a tightrope. That while in private they might find the the president heinous, uh, publicly they they have not de- denounced him. But there's a difference between denouncing and actually publicly em- embracing what he said. But I, th- I just think he's looking at pe- he's looking at the, his electorate specifically in South Carolina. He's saying I could get ahead of this, or I'm going to either get a primary challenge, or in the general election the Republicans are going to stay home, or they're going to vote for somebody, or they're going to vote for a third party candidate. I mean, he's, he's I do think Lindsey Graham is in many re- is very much an opportunist, and I do think he's willing to sell what I think was a center right soul to get to the fir- as far right as possible, so that he can get reelected. It's all about the next election. Right. At least that's my perception of him. But Sharma, let me go to you on this because you know we're 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 talking about if you go off of what the president is tweeting, uh, Cortez is at twenty one percent, Omar is pulling at eight uh, percent. You've got a president at forty two percent. I mean, is is he going after? I mean, is he being effective? At calling out their progressive views as being anti-American, he's not calling them out because they're progressive. He's calling them out because they're brown. Uh, hold on, let me ask a question. Hundred uh, percent. Wait a minute, but you're talking about congressmen that are politically, possibly, if you believe the polling that the president cites, are politically injured. Is is it fair to say that this is being blown up for political purposes on both sides, that, in fact, this is just everybody overreacting? I wouldn't say it's overreacting. I think that, you know, unfortunately, we live in a time where people have gotten numb to the fact that our president is incredibly crass, you know, very prejudiced against numerous groups of people and kind of, you know, is hell-bent on denigrating and destroying institutions that they think are not conducive to him doing whatever the hell he wants. But at the same time, I don't think that, that makes it less imperative that we call out every instance of, you know, his incorrect behavior every, and every time it happens. Uh, that being said, I think, you know, the polls you're referring to, look, are not polls of these women in their home districts. They're polls of U.S. swing voters who, of course, are not going to respond well to you know, folks who are at the extreme of either party. So I think that you're making a very false equivalence by taking, you know, the president's um, national approval ratings and comparing them to approval polls of, you know, Alexandria Cortez and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib amongst a vote amongst a group of constituents that they don't represent. Yeah, any national, Um, and this is true for Congress as a whole, any national poll for 
Congress as a whole is always horrible, yet people always like their own member of Congress. Right. I'll I'll concede that. But Admiral Ken, you know, when we see the comments of the president coming out and saying, hey, uh, they're anti-Semitic, they hate this country, they come back and they're using pretty strong language themselves by calling our president a racist. Uh, is is it really is it really possible that this thing has just gotten so far out of hand uh, that we can't stop the combustion? So I, I saw a, an article from George Will over the weekend, and I, I you know I I spent the better part of the last twenty or twenty five years you know admiring the the George Will um, I guess his publications the way his mind works and and a, and a lot. Of just you know how how I came to be uh, a conservative, I, I picked up from 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 watching and reading and listening to George Will, and one of the things that he said was that that Donald Trump's presidency uh, has left an indelible mark on this country, uh, on this society, and that office, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's an indelible mark that's not good. It's you know it's not going to just go away. Uh, if someone else occupies that that office after the next election, so do I think it's gotten out of hand? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, do I think that um, the the president um, is rightfully being cited, you know, by a number of people as as having racist tendencies or flat out being a racist? Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. Um, I, I think that the, the Republican Party uh, that that you and I used to, you know, um, you know proudly say we're members of Justin has turned into a, a, a big bunch of cowards who are afraid of uh, afraid, afraid of tweets or uh, Facebook posts by this man against them. And you know what? I, I, I just I think it's gotten out of hand. And I think, you know, one of my relatives even, you know, ex- expressed the fear that, you know, one of the president's more irate followers might try to do something to one of these women. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. I think that would truly be the, the tipping point. And, and, but you know what? A young woman lost her life in Charlottesville, and it wasn't mm-hmm. enough to get him to stop. Right. So All right. I don't know. All right. We're going to take a quick break and here. Oh, hold on, Charlotte. Let, let's take a quick break. You get first dibs. Uh, we're going to continue talking about this subject. When we come back, this is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us.
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. We're back. Yeah, and we're talking about the tweet war going on here in Washington, D.C. between uh, the four progressive members of Congress known as as the squad and the GOP and President uh, Donald Trump. By the way, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, uh, put out this tweet. The president's tweets were not racist. The controversy over the tweets is all political. I will vote against this resolution, talking about a resolution to censure the president regarding the original tweets from over the weekend. Sharma uh, Chari, we were talking uh, before we went to break, and I promised you first dibs on this. Uh, but I, I'm going to start off with the question, is this, in fact, all political? Has this just become a, a cesspool run amok? I mean, Justin, were, was Charlottesville political? Were uh, President then-candidate Trump's comments about Judge Gonzalo Curiel political, these, these incidents are all the result of unforced errors, right? Yes, these women have been kind of, you know, antagonizing the president in various ways. They have been sort of voicing their disagreement with his policies. They've been voicing their disagreement with his conduct. Yet the spark that always starts these quote-unquote political fires is the president, you know, taking something that's at a level two and taking it to a 10. And yet, Everyone wants to blame the other people for the president's behavior, right? This is how this man has been enabled for all these years. Everyone takes, you know, nobody, no Republican will ever take, you know, the Republicans are supposed to be the party of personal responsibility, and yet no Republican, or very few Republicans, I should say, will ever attribute personal responsibility to the president for escalating these feuds and then doubling down on them when he should be the first one to say, hey, everyone, let's take down the temperature. That's his job of the president of the United States. Let me me do this checklist real quick. Uh, have, Have the four members of the squad been critical of Israel and Israeli policy? Yes or no? So some of them have, yes, certainly. Okay. Uh, have they been critical of the way that the current government is being run? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Uh, Justin, this, this has a Bill no, O'Reilly no, feel to it, no, Justin. No, 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 no. Well, first of I all, I wish I had the numbers of Bill O'Reilly, but... Uh, you, you also no. want the sexual harassment cases that no, Bill O'Reilly no, had? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, no kidding. No. We won't, we, that, allegedly, by the way. No, yeah. I mean, keep in mind... No, no, wait, 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 hold the, on. Let me finish my thought. Let me finish my thought. I will shut off that mic. he did against Obama. No, no, but what I'm saying... What I'm saying is... That you know, we there is a lot of, of rhetoric going around. There is a lot of venom being spewed here in Washington over Twitter. And the thing about it is, and I let me be clear about this. And and Sharmla, I want to be very clear to you because you are my biggest critic sometimes when I moderate like this. This does not reflect my own personal views on this. I'm just trying to bring out both sides. In that, in that vain, I'm going to ask you, is it unfair to say that they are perhaps anti-Semitic by being so openly against Israeli policy? Is it, no. is it unfair to say that oh, they may yes, be... 
What, what's that? You could ask the Jew this Sorry, question. I, <laughs> I, I will get to you in a yeah, second, really. Jew. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, it is. Yes, it is unfair to say that just because someone does not support every element of yes. U.S. policy towards Israel, that they are anti-Semitic. That is absolutely inappropriate. It is in. It is unfair to say that if someone has ever criticized a Jewish person, you know, not based on their faith, but based on you know some other opinion that they hold, that they are anti-Semitic. Right? Like those things, you know. Just as we can, can, you know, just as you earlier said that, oh, well, sometimes, you know, people conflate, you know, just criticism of, per, of a person who has brown skin with racism. Same thing, you know, criticism of a, you know, another country of, of the state of Israel or the U.S. policy towards Israel or a person who is of Jewish heritage does not make one anti-Semitic. So that being said, the key differentiator here is that. These women, you know, the squad, which I find to be insanely annoying because they are four individual women who have come together to advance a set of common policy priorities, right? They're not Taylor Swift and, you know, GGC. I will say I'm not certain. I'm not certain they all don't know they're Taylor Swift. Yeah, and I'm not not so certain that they don't like that term either. But let me go to you, Dan Lipner. As you said, we should probably ask the Jew this. I'll ask the Jew this question. Go ahead. I, who have been a frequent and am still a frequent critic of Israel, I don't think anyone would accuse me of being anti-Semitic. I am a critic of the Israeli government and the Netanyahu policies, but to to equate that with being anti-Semitic is simply incorrect. Similarly... In our U.S. Constitution, the First Amendment includes the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly. Part of that is it is the height of patriotism to to actually speak out and criticize your government if you see something being being done wrong to hopefully change does it. The president that not makes have you his, a patriot. Does the president yeah. not have his right of, of free speech he as has well? Absolutely. So after the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, Bill Clinton came out and uh, made a very interesting statement, and a lot of people on the right were terrified of it because they didn't know what he was going to do. And because a lot of the blame for the Oklahoma City bombing was placed on on the G. Gordon Liddies of the world and the the radical right-wing talk radio. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, G. Gordon Liddy famously said, when the government jackbooted thugs are on are on your doorstep, aim for your aim for their head. And, right. in, in the Oso patriotic version of of right-wing politics. Um, Bill Clinton, after the Oklahoma City bombing, after a couple of days of of, of silence and and mourning, came out and made a statement, said the First Amendment is absolutely there and it gives people the, the freedom of speech. But with that freedom of speech comes a responsibility. And it's not necessarily the responsibility of, of those saying the horrendous things, but it's the responsibility of everyone else to speak up against them when they are said. Right. That's why the First Amendment exists. Admiral Ken. Yep. So I am a retired Navy admiral. I am a black man. I have often spoke out against Israeli policy. I've often, I've often uh, criticized my government, mostly after I got out of uniform because I could speak more freely then. And I, I would really like to know if there's, you know, a Trump supporter listening to this that thinks I need to go home. By the way, home for me is Huntsville, Alabama, the, you know, the reddest place on the planet. And I would love to go home and and, uh, and say some things. I really would. Right, Rich Rubino. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say I unreservedly 
agree that criticism of Israel is not does not equate itself to being critical of the Jewish people, the Jewish the Jewish religion, the Jewish race. What it is is saying that Israel, just like the other under under 96 countries in the world, you're saying that I disagree with the policies of Likud government, and specifically you disagree with at least in the in the case of you know the two one of them the two Muslim congresswomen. They would say they disagree with the treatment, the plight of the Palestinians, by the way the Israel Israel is treating the Palestinians. And let me say this: there are 50 Muslim majority nations in the country right now. If you say anything critical, for example, of one of those of, of Egypt, that doesn't mean necessarily mean that you're saying something what the Egyptian government's doing. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily saying something that you're against the Muslim religion. What you're saying is that you're against the policies of the government. Now, Israel, Israel is obviously a predominantly Jewish state, so obviously there gets that kind of, some people can conflate the religion and the religion there and the policies of the government, but there should be a distinguish between saying that, and there are people in this country, you know, David Duke being one of them, who would say that specifically that the Jewish religion is, you know, is inferior to other religions. But what, 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 these, what, these, what these two congresswomen are saying is not that. What they're saying is just simply that they disagree with the policies of the Israeli government toward the Palestinians, and that's just like, for example, you can say that you disagree with the policies of India, in East, in, of, of India toward, you know, Kashmir, for example. It doesn't mean you're anti-Indian. It just means okay, you're but, against but, that policy. All right, but Rich, at the same time, Rich, at the same time, and actually, let me go to Dan Lipner on this, is... You know, we've also seen AOC. We've also seen several of the members of the squad. AOC came out and said that the Border Patrol agents working the southern border were concentration camp guards. That, to me, is equally as hurtful as anything that the president said, yet is what she said possibly anti-Semitic. Is it possibly? I mean, she's it accusing... Just goes to prove, it just goes to prove that stupid knows no political party. No, well, that's true, too. I'll give you that. Yeah, I've, so I've never actually looked up the formal definition of a concentration camp uh, other than the context of the Nazis. That said, let me go a, a bit further. To equate the comments of four members of Congress, and let's just go to the Pelosi squad squabble that occurred, and Nancy Pelosi gave them what I thought was the appropriate smackdown, to which she simply responded, I don't want to talk about the squad anymore, and by the way, if they got more than four votes from their position, they might actually have a constituency and we might take it seriously. Other than that, be quiet. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it was pretty close. Yeah. And yeah. it was a smack. It was a deserved smackdown because democracy. Yes, the freedom of speech is part of it, but democracy is about a majority and convincing people to, to move to a your position. And the squad was, while making lots of noise, is not seemingly making a lot of friends in the process of making lots of noise. So that's worth noting. And equating any single member of Congress to the president of the United States is simply wrong, unless we want to say that. But that the wait, 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 so wait, 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 Different than any Now I'm going. Now I am going to interject here because here's the thing: is when you have the political bully pulpit, the way that AOC does with her Twitter followers. I mean, the, she has got rock star sized Twitter followings, social media followings that you cannot deny. As the New York and, Times and has already done a study that the, the Twitter, tw- the oh, Twitterverse is not the same as but what the I'm political saying, universe. You know, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. A minute. Yeah. She has politicized her social media outlet as her bully pulpit. Wait, a politician politicizing their communication? Okay, no, 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 don't tell don't, me more. Don't come on, just stop. <laughs> but the thing about it is she's using her 
social media as her bully pulpit. You can't say that she's just some backbencher. She's preaching she's to the choir. She's not some backbencher. She's pre- she is a backbencher. She, in the, back in the, 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 speaker, the Speaker of the, the House blew her off entirely because she had four votes for her position. And tell that to the 500,000, almost a million followers that she had that are rabid about what her and the other, four, the I, other three I, members I are. encourage AOC to challenge Nancy Pelosi for Speaker next time around. Let's see what happens. But, uh, but Sharma, I'm going to go to you. Does the, you know, do the comments, is there any justification for the comments that they've made about concentration camp guards? That one I take a little bit personally because uh, of my past life. It, to me, they've got to clean up their act. Am I wrong? Justin, you're making false equivalents after false equivalents. How am I making false equivalents and false equivalents? The president has three times at least more followers than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or any of these other, you know, progressive female uh, representatives. The look again. Can they? Can the you justify? The, can the, the you main, justify? Wait, 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 wait. Can you justify the comments? I mean, because again, I, I, and look. By no means am I condoning anything Can't, that the president said. Hold on. But I, I want somebody on this show right now to justify the comments of the Border Patrol being concentration camp Again, this is a bill Because the last time this I checked, is, this is, they have not gassed anybody this is bill, in Laredo, Texas. This is Bill O'Reilly territory but again. again. Uh, go ahead, yes, Sharma. False equivalence. Look, no, no one is saying, you know, Joe Smith, Border Patrol agent, is, you know, a fascist because of the way he treated, you know, these people. They are talking, right, they're using exaggerated language to talk about a policy enacted by this administration to, um, right, to detain migrants who are coming here seeking asylum, right? And when you look at the visuals that are reminiscent of, you know, the internment camps and concentration camps that other marginalized populations have been put into both inside and outside this country, right? Like, that's not that is incredibly different than calling out someone personally and saying this specific person needs to go back to where they came from because they are not white. No, but I'm, I right? guess so what I'm saying is incredibly different. Concepts. What I guess what and I'm yes, saying is you are right that you are right that political rhetoric rhetoric now is becoming highly charged. It's becoming highly charged on both sides. But you know why it's becoming that way? Because this president, starting when he was a candidate, came out of the gate upping the ante to a degree that everyone felt they had to respond, right? Who was it that came out in July 2015 and said people from Mexico were drug dealers, rapists, and kidnappers? Was it Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? It was not. Admiral Ken? Well, I I think, like I said a moment or two ago, that um, I think every one of us is capable of saying some unartful, sometimes qualify as stupid things. And... um, and I, 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 I have to agree with Charmela and Dan, uh, and I've, I've said this, you know, in the presence of, you know, my more right-leaning uh, relatives and in-laws, you know, when they start freaking out about, about uh, Congresswoman Cortez, uh, Ocasio-Cortez. She's one congressperson from a very small in New York that's got four, she's gotten four votes, period. You know, I think she has just become a very, very easy target for the right wing. And I think, quite frankly, if they want to waste their ammo on something like that, let them do it. I just think we need to draw the line when the president of the United States, you know, leads, you know, his followers in a, in a, in a, in a wave of racism directed at four women of color 
who, by the way, are U.S. citizens, oh, by the way, were legally elected to their office, oh, by the way, have up to this point served pretty honorably. I would say more honorably than he has. So, yeah. Um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish up, Admiral Cannon, and then I'll go to Rich. And I think, quite frankly, you know, drawing, drawing, a, you know, drawing some equivalencies, you know, between what you said and what you've seen from history, yeah, that's, that's on the edge. But at the end of the day, you know, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. This is a ridiculous situation designed to, uh, to have us take our eye off the real issue. Right. This is not the real issue. This is BS. Yeah, and so, Kane, Admiral Ken, we're, we're, we're losing a little bit on the feed. Uh, Rich Rubino, let me go to you and then to Dan Lipner. Yeah, clearly she went over the line, but you know what? You know what? From a Machiavellian perspective, what Donald Trump is doing is the fact is he is putting AOC in every congressional district in the country. If you're running for reelection in Oklahoma, in Kansas, and Texas again, all of a sudden you're going to have to be. And the questions are going to be: Well, do you agree with AOC in this? Do you agree with what AOC and said in that? What she said about the concentration camps, you know, was certainly misguided to say the least. But you know what? Every congressman now is going to be running, is going to be, everyone is going to, they're going to be advertisements. There's going to be AOC said this, and then there's going to be this Democrat voted 94% with AOC. So what he's doing, and, now, and he's to also me, that's, gonna, he's To also, me, that sounds politically genius. Oh, absolutely. It's Machiavellian. It's just like, I, just like I, I, as I say, what I think Trump is doing the exact same thing that, for example, I think that, you know, George Wallace, did, as I said earlier, it's George Wallace said the first time he runs, he, he realizes that, it's, it's, that the, he can't win as, a, as an integrationist, so he comes a segregationist. In Donald Trump's case, I think he's very similar. He's a vessel that can really go either way. Remember what he was talking about? You know, just listen to any interviews he was saying in 2000 when he was considering running for the Reform Party's presidential nomination. And when he was running, when he was considering at the time, he was saying that we needed basically a more just immigration policy. He was saying the party had gone too far to the too far to the right. He was saying that he was saying that Pat Buchanan was a Hitler lover. You know, he, he they, later when he was going to run for president, he called Pat Buchanan and said, and he apologized and basically moved himself to the right. I think he is very he's, in, he's an opportunist. He's not an ideologue. He's somebody who wants power. He wants the presidency, and he wants his party to be his party to be in power. And in order to do that, he wants every he wants the word AOC to be everyone when they think of a congressman, they think of their own congresswoman, congressperson, and they think of AOC. And you're going to see advertisements in congressional districts that AOC has never been in, and they're going to be pictures of AOC, and then they're going to say, "Well, do you agree with AOC on this?" You agree with the AFC on that, and every when, when the moderate swing voters, when the persuadable voters are going to the polls, when they see that when they vote for a Democrat versus Republican in a more center right district, they're going to say, "Well, this person." They're going to say AOC, and all of a sudden, you know, in their mind, AOC is going to pop up as their congressperson. And it's amazing. This is somebody who represents one congressional district in the 435 in the country, who's a freshman who you know who won in a sense on a fluke because the person she was running against was spending all of his time running was spending all his time campaigning for other people because he wanted to become speaker of the house so she you know won with about 15,000 right. votes and now all of a sudden you know right. she's the leader of the democratic party she's the face card right. of the party Dan Lipner last word so there's a phrase that uh John Dickerson uh the f- former host of Face of the Nation sort of introduced me to uh while listening to uh one of his podcasts and and the phrase is nut picking and the in political context, nut picking is the the political skill of taking the most extreme, not necessarily representative, but most extreme uh, voice of the other side and painting it as the totality of the other side. Worth noting, both sides are guilty of it, but rarely do we see the president of the United States being the focal point of creating that kind of discord and not and 
to not raise the rhetoric of, of issues at hand. Now, AOC's and uh, statements and while the concentration camp uh, statements what was absolutely uh, politically unfortunate. However, in her defense, if you had just visited these places and, and heard the tales of sexual assaults, the the tale of a woman being told by, and this is, again, we, we, un, un, yeah, unconfirmed. Yeah, this is unconfirmed, too. Well, that said, it, it, what is confirmed is we have children taking care of children, eight-year-olds taking care of two-year-olds in some of these places without adequate adult supervision. This is true. These are statements of fact. Um, the... These are a problem. And for, I would hope, most humane people seeing children in these kind of conditions, that you would respond and respond with some strong positions. Now, I wish AOC had tempered her positions and tempered her statements to more more specifically talk about the issues at hand. But what the president has done in his nutpicking approach, but is simply a racist nutpicking approach and politically cynical. That's all it was. Around the, around the horn, we've only got one minute left. Around the horn, just real basic question to sum this all up. Have we totally lost control on any civility in politics going forward. Dan Lipner? Only if the Republican Party doesn't come out more vehemently against the president's you statements. See, you see, really? You had to make it... Admiral Ken? No, not yet, but we're getting close. Uh, Sharmila? As long as Donald Trump is president, it's not going to be pretty. And Richard Bino? We're on the precipice. <laughs> that well said. Good closeout. Uh, with that, on behalf of Dan Lipner, Admiral Ken, Sharmila Achari, Rich Rubino, Eric Thomas, our producer, Rob the Engineer, always keeping us honest behind the glass. Thank you. Special shout out, obviously, to uh, Charlie and Oscar, our hosts here at Podcast Village. Uh, where we broadcast out of Studio A in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Hey, you can follow us on Twitter, at Backroom Politic. Uh, Eric, our producer, should be doing a lot of tweeting coming forward. You can also follow us on Facebook, Eric the Producer. Uh, you can also follow us, you can also follow us on your, and download us as a podcast on your favorite podcast service, whether it's uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, or uh, Spotify. Yeah, we're kind of a big deal. And iHeartRadio. Uh, We will see you again soon. Take care. Have a good week, America. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>